Do you remember the scene in The Wizard of Oz when Dorothy and Tin Man and Scarecrow and Lion walked down the long corridor of the hallway entering into the Emerald City to meet Oz for the first time? And you hear the voice of Oz calling out, saying, Come in. And as they draw close, and there is smoke and fire and red smoke and white and flames and this big head with veins popping out. I am Oz. I know why you have come. And they each stand before Oz, again shaking and in fear. And the lion, as he comes before Oz, he actually faints. And as he gets back up, Oz says, You, I will grant your wish, but you need to do one thing. You need to get the broom of the wicked witch. And they say, But we'd have to kill her. And Oz says, Go now. And you see the lion tear off down the corridor all by himself, and he jumps out the window in fear. What is our view of the Almighty? Do we live in fear and trembling, feeling rebuked by God like Oz rebuked each and every one in the Wizard of Oz? Do we feel like God is unapproachable? Do we stand in amazement and in awe and in reverence of God. And yet still he is somewhat distant to us. Or maybe we just casually walk in to the Emerald City and say, what's up, Oz? Have we gotten to a place where it's all blue jeans and coffee house worship? Very casual and comfortable. God, creator of the universe, creator of you and me, desires to be known by us. He wants us to know him fully. All of his characteristic, all of his awesomeness, and all of his intimacy. Be still and know that I am God, and know who I am. I think the need that we have as we follow God through this wilderness called life is a need to know who it is that we are following. As we long, I know you and I both, we, we want to follow the Lord. We want to live in communion with Him. We want to walk in obedience, and as Mark reminded us last week, that we would do anything that He would ask of us. And the Israelites came to a place where they said, we will do anything that you ask. And at the same time, there is a deep need to know who it is that we are following. As we look in Exodus 19 this morning, and as George read us the passage first thing this morning, turn there, if you haven't already, to Exodus 19. And we begin in chapter 9 as the Lord has delivered his people and he has brought them to the foot of the mountain and there is a time now where God is going to reveal himself in all of his majesty, in all of his glory, in all of his power, and he's going to come upon the people of Israel. 
And he says in verse 9, and one of the things that I want us to know as we think about our Lord, that he is a God who comes down. The Hebrew language has it that he stoops down. He lowers himself to be with us. And that's a desire of his heart. I will come down, he says in verse 9. And verse 11, on the third day, I will come down. And as we think about the Lord coming down, it reminds us of his transcendence, that he is above all, that he is over all, that he is sovereign, that he is omniscient, that he is all-knowing, he is awesome. And we're getting this vision as God is coming down on Mount Sinai. That God chooses to come down. Do you remember in Genesis when they were building the Tower of Babel? Supposed to reach to the heavens. And the scriptures say, And Lord God came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men built. Genesis 11. The Lord God had to stoop down. He had to come out of heaven so that he could see this incredible tower that was supposed to come to the heavens as though we could ever reach them. God is an awesome God. God is above all and beyond all. The Lord teaches us to pray. And in that prayer, he says, pray this way, our Father who art in heaven. I love that prayer because it's both full of awe and at the same time it's full of intimacy. Our Father, Abba, and let us recognize who you are and your awesomeness, that you are from heaven, you are of all, you have created all. Same God, a God of awe and intimacy. And God comes down. And so we ask the question, why bother? Why does he come down? He's awesome, God. Why does he waste his time? Why does he lower himself? Why does he humble himself? What is his purpose in our lives? <clears throat> this whole Bible, from beginning to end, every little story and every bizarre story and everything that we go, Lord, how does this all fit in? And as you study it more and more, Again, you know and you come to know this is God's incredible love story between creator and creation, between you and God as we worship before the Lord. This is his love story. Why does he come down? For God so loved the world, that's you and me, that he sent, that he sent his one and only Son, that whoever should believe upon Him, whoever should place their trust in Him, should not perish, but should have life everlasting. God sent His Son, fully God, into humanity, incarnation, to be with us, so that He might have relationship with us. And as we come into the Christmas season and we sing songs and his name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. And I love the Lord and that he has this incredible awesomeness. 
And at the same time, there's intimacy and passion for us, for you and me. Just last month, the, the, the statistic came out, 300 million of us in the United States. 300 million, just here in the United States. Land is getting kind of tight. And amidst 300 million, he says, Hey, Derek, I know you. I know your life. I know what's going on with your heart right now. Hey, Becky, I know your need. I know your hurt. I know you. Awesome God, yet intimate. We are not just some number, some statistic. We are beloved of God. And he is very personal with us. And as we sang this morning, he calls us friend. Creator of us calls us friend. Very intimate. I love how he likes to establish relationship, and we saw it with his disciples as he was tender with them and loving. I want to share an image with you that was sent by a third grader in the first hour. Hang it, dude. You and God are like two skateboarders grinding together. I love this. This is a third grader saying, you know what? You and God have a relationship. And my view of God is that God just enjoys grinding his skateboard with you. I don't totally understand the whole drawing, but, <laughs> but it's a wonderful gift. Because the truth of the message is, is so true. Thank you for that. God loves that intimacy with us. And I also just want to say to you, dear body, as, as this letter came from third graders who blessed us during pastor appreciation time, uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for loving us with all kinds of goodies. And, and, and we, just, we just ate to the full every day. We had all kinds of stuff. to. We, we signed up for the gym, and we're in good shape. <laughs> but thank you, truly, for blessing us as we longed a shepherd and pastor here, and, and uh, you really blessed us with your gifts and, and just your kind words. And uh, just because it's November doesn't mean you need to stop, all right? <laughs> God is intimate. I love how he is with Moses. Moses, you will be the one who will speak forth for me. Moses, the mediator. Remember, Moses reflects Jesus. Jesus is the one who is the mediator for us. It is through Christ that we have relationship with the Holy God. And so Moses reflects the image of the coming Jesus to the Israelites. And I love what happens here, which is the Lord says this in the scripture. He says, Moses, I'm going to come down in a dense, thick cloud, and I will envelop the mountain, and I will speak to you, in thunder, and I will speak to you, and why? So that the Israelites will hear me, and so that they will know that I am God, and they will put their trust in you, Moses, for the rest of your life, for your leadership. Don't you love that? Moses, who was getting killed, 
Hey Moses, why did you bring us out to the desert? Hey Moses, where's our food? Hey Moses, where's our drink? Hey Moses, you obviously brought us out here for us just to die. And God lifts up Moses and he validates Moses and he gives him all his authority and he says, go lead my people. I'm a personal God. Just like he validated Jesus as he came up out of the water and he broke through the clouds. He said, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. Just as he broke through into Paul's life on the road to Damascus and and Paul came into the presence of the Almighty and he validated his future leadership. And so God validates us. He simply validates us because we are beloved children. We are sons and daughters. We are chosen and loved by the Almighty. And so we have validation. But he knows where you're at. And so he lifts us up sometimes so that we might be having strength alone in the Lord as broken vessels, new covenant Christians who want to be obedient to God. Do you remember what he said last week? You are my treasured possession as you choose to follow me. My beautiful, treasured possession. Isn't that great? That's what God calls us. We need to know all of God. Awe and intimacy. And he reminds us again that he is coming. He is coming down to have relationship with us. And what do we do as we realize that... The mighty King of kings, the Lord of lords, is going to come down and we are supposed to draw near. God says, I want you to prepare. I want you to be ready for me coming. I lived in Washington, D.C. for a year. And I worked there on the National Prayer Breakfast that they have every year in February. And all the heads of state, many heads of state and ambassadors and and all kinds of congressmen and senators and the president show up at this one event in February to come and pray and have breakfast and fellowship together. And as I worked on that, what I had to go through, because I was going to be in the, in the Washington Hotel and, and I was going to be present at all these events that were taking place, I had to go through a thorough background check. And even as we showed up and we were well known by all that was going on and, and the security guards that we met with beforehand, and you had to go through the detectors again, and then there was, there was rows at different stations of all of the security, CIA, everybody. Everybody had the little earpiece, you know. They're all walking around like this. And so even though, again, I'd been very involved in the National Prayer Breakfast and was part of that from the, all the development with all this team, the president comes and he sits up front and he's there with a few people. And if you try to go past this row here to come to see the president, security steps right in. This is as far as you can go. And there's a sense of this incredible excitement and this energy and this wow of the president of the United States. Some of you I know got to meet him when he came here a little while ago. And you know that feeling, isn't it? It's like there's this this incredible energy. This is our president. 
but all of the preparation and, and just the, the tingling feeling, the excitement about the President of the United States, and we get to come and be in the same room with him. We prepare for so many things, don't we? And we get nervous and we get excited and we get scared about encounters that we're about to have. Maybe it's a job interview and you're meeting with the boss. All the preparation that goes in that, your resume, making sure you've got the right suit on, making sure you're leaving the house early so that you get there and and that he's not left waiting. The words that you're going to say, everything that goes into that. A lot of preparation. We prepare to go on a date. Some of you guys right there. And to enjoy each other. And we, and we want to present our best. And we, we take time and, and we actually you know, take a shower and stuff to get ready. Because <laughs> we care. And we prepare to get married if that date keeps on going. And I've done many weddings with you all. And one of the things that I'm finding in many of these weddings is these three-inch thick, three-ring binders full of all the details of the wedding. And you mothers and mother-in-law, you know the details. So much preparation, the things that we do. We prepare for BSU football games. Go Broncos. That was a nice victory last night. Made me a little nervous. But we put the face paint on and we get the tailgate party together and and we celebrate together and a lot of preparation into that. And now we're getting prepared for Thanksgiving coming up. And apparently we're supposed to be prepared for Christmas, which the season started October 15th. I don't know if you knew that. (laughs) Just go to Costco, you'll be reminded every time. Do we prepare? our hearts for our encounter with the King of Kings, with the Lord of Lords, Creator of the universe, Savior of our lives, our souls? Do we prepare as the King is coming and has come and offers us life? Do we prepare as we come here for Sunday morning corporate worship, our minds and our hearts? Do we prepare as we even go into prayer before the Holy of Holies? We are in communion with God. Steve prayed this morning starting off with adoration of God, a preparation to come into his presence. And so God says to Moses, I am coming, prepare yourself for the king. Be ready, which means be firm, be established, be rooted, be be one that has foundation, be fastened down because awesome God is coming. It's that wonderful image uh, in that movie Twister where, do you remember when they're chasing the tornadoes and then all of a sudden one is chasing them and they end up in a barn that's full of sharp objects and And finally, they find this little place that that is the water pipe, and it goes down deep. And they find leather straps, and they tie themselves onto this pipe that goes deep. And all of a sudden, the, the tornado just envelops them. And they are sucked up, and they're strapped in. And as they look up, they see the eye of the tornado, and it's just awesome.
I'm coming down with thunder and with lightning and with awesomeness and with all of my power. Be fastened. Be ready. Be prepared. This is who I am. I am awesome God. Don't take it lightly. And he says, Moses, tell the people and go down and consecrate them, sanctify them, set them apart unto the Lord. Unto the Lord. Dedicate them. In Exodus 13, we saw Moses speaking, and the Lord said, Go and sanctify the firstborn. Do you remember that? He says, Those children belong unto me. We are about ones who are called to holiness. We are called to be set apart unto Jesus, unto the Lord. And everything that we do, when you go to work tomorrow, your day is unto the Lord because you are set apart unto him because he is awesome God who's come into your life through his son, Jesus. And then he says this, I want the people to be washed, to be cleansed. Psalm 51 says, wash away, this is the cry of David, wash away all of my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgression and my sin is always before me. And against you alone, O God, have I sinned. A contrite spirit, a washing, a cleansing. And it is by the blood of Christ and only by the blood of Christ that we are washed. That we are made right with God who is awesome and holy. It is only through his son Jesus that we have life and can come into his presence Romans 5 reminds us, For God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, and man are we sinners, that Christ died for us. And since now that we have been justified, since now that we have been made right by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? I want you to be washed, that you are cleansed, that, that you bring a spirit that says, God, I want to be pure before you. Help me to live life that is pleasing to you. It's the image of old clothes and new clothes. Peter reminds us, rid yourself of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind. Take off these old clothes. Wash them out. In Ephesians 4:24, and put on the new self, created to be like God. He's created to be in holiness and in righteousness. In true righteousness and holiness. Wash out, tread upon is the actual term. It's getting it out, stepping on that sin and saying, no, I don't want to live in sin anymore. God, thank you for your son and help me to live for you. You understand, they're probably wearing those Egyptian clothes that they took from the Egyptians as they plundered them and left Egypt. So it's a good cleansing. The Lord says, not all of you, Peter, needs to be washed. Just your feet. Because we walk and we sin. I know you are cleansed because you have received me. But let me just wash your feet. That we come and we get prepared for the holy God by washing ourselves, a renewal of our minds, and asking for forgiveness of our Lord. And he goes on, be prepared. He says, don't go near a woman. It's the idea of fasting. It's the idea of, that my, 
my, my sinful, not sinful, my, my fleshly desires is not what I'm focused on. I'm focused on the king is coming. So he says, I don't want you to worry about that right now. Focus on the fact that the king is coming. Three days and here I come. And then he sets boundaries around the mountain. They didn't have the caution tape back then, but they had archers and they had men set up around the mountain. And he said, I need to set up boundaries because I am a holy God and there needs to be some distance between us. And if you break the boundary, you will die either through the archers or you'll be stoned to death. I want you to understand what is happening now. You need to be prepared to understand that my character is holy. But I want to have relationship with you. And we cannot miss this point. The point is, I want to come down. The point is, I want to be with you. But this is as close as I can get without killing you. And so I must set up boundaries. Not because he doesn't want to be with us. Because oh, so much he wants to be with us. And the Israelites must recognize that this is not a meeting between equals. This is God of the universe in full holiness coming before unholy people. And he chose intentionally people who were a mess and unholy. Again, it's nothing on what their, their righteousness was. He just longs to be with us. And he longs for us to love him. Perfect God, imperfect people. Isaiah saw the same thing as he went into the seraphs, had their wings and their feet, and they were covered and they were crying out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And Isaiah said, Oh my goodness, I am, I am doomed. I'm a man of unclean lips. I shall surely die and God comforts him. He says, No, no, I have you. You're to go out and I want you to speak for me. This awesomeness of God and yet this intimacy of relationship. And even though we try to, we cannot manage, we cannot manage God's awesome holiness. The sense of awe. The people in the Middle Ages understood this. They built cathedrals of all kinds because they wanted to be able to step into something and go, this is awesome and this reflects God and the beauty of Him and the stained glass and the big towers and it is God. And so they lived and they built and they understood the sense of awe. And so that then when they come into church, that they would have a sense of reverence. We have to prepare our hearts. We come into a brick building. Literally, we have to ask the Lord, Lord, help me to know you deeper. Lord, help me to honor you more. Teach me as I study your word, reveal yourself more to me. It's not about the building so much. But to understand, there was a sense of awe. Well, here's the deal. You go, here's God who set up boundaries. Here's God who came down in full power. Here's God who said, keep a distance. And yet we're new covenant Christians. We are, we are Christians who are saved by grace. We are Christians that can receive salvation as we receive Jesus Christ. And so he comes into our lives and he dwells within us through his Holy Spirit, and he leads our lives. And so we have the full abundance of him. And yet there's this God 
And so how do we live? How do we live as New Covenant Christians? When the scriptures say, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace and time in our, in our time of need. How are we to respond to this awesome, the scriptures say he is a consuming fire. And at the same time, he is compassionate and forgiving and just. And I think it is a calling back in a, a time where we sit with our Lord and we say, Lord, again, I want to see all of you. That there shouldn't be an unhealthy balance. There shouldn't be, I just live in fear of your greatness. And there shouldn't be, hey, we're just chums. that we would have the full attributes of God from beginning to end. Colossians 2 says, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form through Jesus Christ. And so we must learn to live between transcendent and imminent God. We want to understand God in both his majesty and his love for us. There is a return to awe. I think, for us. A need for that. You know, we live in this culture, in the United States, I think especially, where we get pretty comfortable with Jesus. We get pretty comfortable with God. And our struggle is that, Lord, how do we live in the middle in a good balance with a proper perspective of you? that we would see scriptures all the way through and that we would see his power and his awesomeness, yet his gentleness and forgiving heart, passionate, and yet he's both. And so we live in the tension, don't we, of both. G.K. Chesterton says, The world is not lacking in wonders, but in a sense of wonder. We have become casual. There is this little bobblehead doll. I don't know if you've seen it. It's called Buddy Jesus. I understand. Buddy Jesus is selling all over the world. He's a little bobblehead, and you place him in your room, or you place him on your car, and he's, he's kind of giving you this with a wink of the eye, and, and we're just chums. There's nothing wrong with how, if you have a Buddy Jesus. I'm not rebuking you at all. Look, he's got his iPod. He's hip, Jesus. You know? But I want you to understand, these are selling by the millions all over the world. They're very popular. And I go, you know, hmm, if he's just Buddy Jesus, boy, how's he leading and controlling and over all of my life? That seems too casual. Tim Muehlhoff has a wonderful article in Discipleship Journal, which I really love and encourage you guys to maybe get that. But he says this in his article, Return to Awe. During my 30-year relationship with God, I had slowly stripped him away of his attributes that made me feel uncomfortable. Holiness and sovereignty and omniscience. And I fixated on the ones in which I took comfort and kindness and trustworthiness, love and patience. God had become reliable and reassuring. And yet I knew that maintaining a sense of awe was crucial in my relationship with God. 
Lack of awe was producing in me anxiety. Lack of awe results in powerless evangelism. Today, people seem to so close to Christianity and without a high view of God, sharing the gospel feels hopeless. Faithlessness is another symptom of an awe-deprived life. When I forget God's greatness, I, sh- I shrink life into goals that I can manage. I pursue reasonable aspirations that require little risk. Accordingly, my prayers become calculated and timid. And I've also noticed that when awe of God is absent from my life, sin more easily enters. I may begin to transgress his laws without hesitation. Or I become comfortable in my sin and consciously or unconsciously I delete confession from my prayers. If we don't have an awesome God who can heal our broken marriage, that he's just a God who hangs out with me and says, I hope you can make it through it. If we don't have an awesome God who has sent us his Holy Spirit and has given us the power to forgive and to heal and to restore And we live alone, trying to do it in our own strength. Because awesome God saves us. Awesome God, through the power of His Holy Spirit, because of His Son, Jesus, has power in our lives. And if we just live with Buddy Jesus, I don't know how we make it through. Recognizing that God's power is full and complete and allows us and helps us. We need to return to awe, and we need to remain in intimacy. And the reason that we can do both is because God says, listen, I sent my son Jesus to you. I died on the cross for your sin. And because of that, the tape, the curtain is broken. And yes, I am a holy God, and you are an unholy people, but I have torn the curtain, and this caution tape is no longer there. Why? Because of the cross. By the blood of Jesus, and by the blood of Jesus dying on the cross for us, that alone is the reason that we have entrance into the Holy of Holies. That is the reason that the Holy Spirit has come into our lives. He is the one who has allowed us this relationship. Why? Because He comes down. Why? Because He wants relationship with us. Why? Because He wants us to be empowered with Him so we might be obedient to His truth. Why? Because we love Him. It's because of the cross. And He rose again. And He offers life to everyone who says, I believe upon you, Lord Jesus. And so we live in the balance of awe and intimacy. That God can do all things. Nothing is impossible with God. But that we wouldn't come with a casual indifference to this, to the cross. 
And I know what it's like. I have three kids. I know it's like trying to get to church sometimes. I know it's like just trying to, to come and prepare my heart. Man, we are kind of frantic and scattered, aren't we? I know for many of you this morning, just you know, getting out of bed and getting going. How do we prepare for the Lord? I think he's called us and reminded us through this scripture, would you remember that I come down? I want you to remember I'm a God who longs for a relationship with you. Would you remember that I want to have close intimacy with you? I'm not a God who wants to be distant. But I also want you to come and understand I'm an awesome God. Don't take me lightly as though I'm just your chum, because I'm not. I am the Almighty who lives with full power and full intimacy in your life. I think we do as we come on Sunday mornings and as we enter into prayer. I think sometimes we need to take steps of just adoration of God. Before we get going in the morning, or if you get here, friend, God, would you calm my heart? I want to be focused on you. There is preparation. Sometimes the night before, just getting ready, getting things ready so that you know it's going to be crazy in the morning, but... But it's a heart attitude, isn't it? It's a heart attitude that says, I want to be with you. I know I'm coming before the holy. Do you understand prayer is that? Isn't that amazing? Prayer is we are in communion with the holy. Adoration and confession and thanksgiving before God. And that we would acknowledge that he is holy God. And because he is such that we prepare ourselves, we consecrate and wash Because you are holy, I can be holy. I want to live in righteousness. And so we set our lives apart unto God. Because he is awesome and he is intimate. Let's pray. Father, all I can say is thank you. Thank you for your son Jesus who was sent for us. Thank you that you long for a relationship with us. And so, Lord, I say thank you. Forgive us, Father, of our sin. Forgive us that we sin against you. Lord, we want to be set apart for you. And so I pray through the power of your Holy Spirit that you would, you would allow us and, and give us the power and the strength to, to get rid of our sin and that we are cleansed by you. And thank you for cleaning us. Through your blood, Lord Jesus. We acknowledge you as Lord Almighty, as God Almighty. We acknowledge you as our Lord and our Savior. And we thank you again for your Son who came down, that we might have a relationship with you. May our worship be pleasing to you, O Father. In your name, amen.